0: Frontier Gentleman, here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual accounts. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. Around Dodge City and in the territory out west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. And now here is your guide to
1: these adventures of the mind.
2: Uh, uh, there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this fall. OCR. And now here is R
1: Hey everyone, it's OTR Rob, welcoming you to another edition of Gunsmoke. This episode of Gunsmoke comes from October 24th. 1953, and the episode is entitled Buffalo Hunter. Buffalo hunting was an activity fundamental to the economy and society of The plains Indians, peoples who inhabited the vast grasslands of the interior plains of North America. Prior to the animal's extinction in the late 19th century, even a number of Indians west of the Continental Divide crossed the Rocky Mountains and traditional tribal hunts on the northern Great Plains. The species' dramatic decline was As a result of habitat loss due to the expansion of ranching and farming in western North America. Industrial scale hunting practiced by the white buffalo hunters that nearly caused the buffalo to go into extinction. The buffalo hunters only main desire was the hide of the buffalo and they would strip the hide from the buffalo and leave the carcass out on the field to rot. By 1880, it was known that there was only 100 buffalo left in existence, and even cases of deliberate policy by settler governments who destroyed the food source of the Native American Indian peoples during the the times of conflict. Native American tribes would go to war with other tribes for the land where buffalo was the most plentiful. In the 16th century, North America contained 25 to 30 million buffalo. Buffalo were hunted almost to extinction in the 19th century. They were hunted for their skins and tongues with the rest of the animal left behind to decay on the ground. After the animals rotted, their bones were collected and shipped back to the east in large quantities for fertilizer. There's a very famous photograph that was taken in the 1880s of a man standing at the bottom of a pile of bison skulls and a man standing on the top ...of that very same pile, and there was 40 feet between them. Due to the roaming behavior of bison, their mass destruction came with relative ease to hunters. When one bison in the herd is killed, the other bison g- gather around it. Due to this pattern, the ability of a hunter to kill one bison often led to the destruction of a large herd of them. After this gunsmoke I'll be back with Frontier Gentlemen.
3: Now, Sugar Crinkles, the sugar rice treat that's just right sweet, is proud to present Gunsmoke.
4: Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of.
3: Take it easy, Mom. You know your young folks are going to eat when you give them sugar crinkles for breakfast. Yes, boys and girls love sugar crinkles. And no wonder. It's the sugar rice treat that's just right sweet. Makes breakfast more fun than a circus. Now, the reason sugar crinkles suit young folks to a T is this. Some sugar-coated cereals they've tried seem too sweet. Others don't seem sweet enough. But when they dip their first spoonful of sugar crinkles, mmm, they've discovered a sugar-coated cereal that's just right sweet. And say, those young folks of yours love to dip into the pack and eat sugar crinkles as a snack, too. So better get several packages. And now, Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. <laughs>
5: Look at those men down there by the jail. That's yeah, quite a crowd. Well, now, what's so curious about a wagon load of buffalo hide, you wonder?
4: Uh, maybe they got a white one, Chester.
5: They must have something mighty interesting.
4: Yeah. Uh, this your wagon, mister? Nope. It's Gatless. I skinned for him. What's the crowd
6: for? Just curious. The other skinner got hurt, and we brought him into the dock. Oh, what happened? Was he hurt bad? Bad enough, Gatliff didn't see any sense in bringing him into
4: town at all. Me and the cook, we made him, though. What? Oh, here's Gatliff now. Uh, Chester, go up to docks and see what you can find out, huh? Yes, sir. How is he, Gatliff? Eh, uh, Doc will
7: take care of everything, Toby. Never mind that. How is he? He's dead. Let's drive his hides on down the shed, huh? Come on.
4: Just a minute, Gatlove.
7: Some other time, Marshal. I'm busy. So
4: am I. But I want to talk to you anyway.
7: Yeah. You and the cook go get these hides unloaded, Toby. I'll be right along. Okay. Now,
4: where you on, Marshal? Yeah. What happened to your Skinner?
7: Billy? He hurt himself, that's all.
4: He's dead, isn't he?
7: Yeah, yeah, he's dead. He got hurt and he died.
4: That's all. When did he get hurt? Uh, last night. Then why didn't you bring him in last night?
7: Them other fellas, the cook and Toby, they figured
4: he was done for
7: anyway. They didn't want to bother, I guess.
4: What happened to him, Gatliff? How did he get hurt?
7: I don't rightly know, Marshal. He was, uh, alone in camp. And when we got there, he'd gone and burned himself. Burned? With Uh, what? Hot lead, Marshal. Spilled it all over him. Lead for bullets? Yeah, that's it. He was cooking up lead in a fry pan. That was one of Billy's chores to make my bullets. <laughs> he always was a mite clumsy. <laughs> he sure messed himself up this time. That
4: must have been a lot of lead. Yeah,
7: 50,
5: 60 pounds, I reckon. Mr.
7: Gatlin? Mm. That
5: man of yours, Doc's all through with him. He said you can bury him now. Oh, no, I ain't paying
7: for no burial. He's just a Skinner I hired. I don't even know his last
4: name. You're his boss, aren't you? You brought him in here. He's
7: just a bomb who worked
4: for me.
5: Well, oh, oh, I mean Hold it, Chester.
4: All right, Godlove, we'll take care of him. He caused me
7: trouble enough. I don't want to hear no more about him ever.
4: What about the Skinner, Chester? Tell me.
5: Oh, it was terrible, Mr. Dillon. Doc said he don't know how he lived as long as he did.
4: Did he talk to Doc? Oh, goodness no, the poor fella. How do you suppose it happened, Chester?
5: Why, a hot lead. Had a whole pan full of it, they told me.
4: Yeah, but what man's going to pick up 50 or 60 pounds of molten lead and spill it all over him? Oh, well, he...
5: I hadn't thought of that.
4: Of course, there's another way it could have happened. How's that? Somebody could have pushed him down into it. Oh, my, who? I don't know. Gatliff or maybe his skinner, Toby. I wonder where Toby went.
5: He probably went over to the Alephaganza to drink up his wages.
4: Oh, all right. Um, Chester, go do something about burying that man, huh?
5: Yes, sir. I'll tend to it.
4: Hello, Toby. Huh? Oh, Hello, Marshal. Oh, Sam. Yeah? Set out a bottle of rye and another glass, huh? Sure, Marshal. I'll, uh, buy you a drink. You will? Well, sure, Marshal, sure. Well, Toby, here's to your friend, Billy. He was no friend of mine,
6: but he died a bad death. I'll drink to him.
4: Uh, Uh... Tell me something, Toby. How did he and Gatliff get on? You noticed Gatliff's
6: eyes, Marshal? I did. He got powder specks shot into them. They look like turkey
4: eggs. Yeah. You don't get on with a man like that. How come I've never seen him in Dodge before? A man's greedy, Marshal. He's downright wicked about
6: money. He figures he can save time, make more money by selling his hides to buyers agents on the prairie. He gets less out there, but he can kill and sell more that way.
4: Well, he came in with a load of hides today.
6: Just because we made him come
4: in with Billy. Oh. Uh, tell me about the accident, Toby, huh? Well, oh, thanks.
6: Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Billy was melting lead in a fry pan, and the way I figured he must have tripped somehow and fallen smack into it. When we rode in, we found him rolling around on the ground, that's all I know.
4: When who rode in? Me and the cook. Well, where was Gatlin? Oh, he went in just ahead of us. How long ahead of you?
6: Not long. Maybe 20 minutes. Ah. Yeah. Then he found Billy first, is that it? Yeah, so he did. I hadn't thought of that before, Marshal. So that's why you've been asking so many
4: questions. Well, I wasn't sure, Toby. But I expect you're telling the truth. The cook could back up your story
6: Sure. I'm telling the truth. So that's what happened. Gatloof killed him. He murdered him.
4: Any idea why he would?
6: Sure I do. He killed Billy so he wouldn't have to pay him his wages due. He'd been out four months. He must owed Billy seven, eight hundred dollars.
4: Uh huh. Are uh, you going back out on the prairie with him?
6: I ain't afraid of him. But I'll be sleeping with one eye open from now on.
4: And if you let on your suspicious, he'll sure try to kill you.
6: Not me. He can do his killing on somebody else.
4: You, uh, you'll be leaving in the morning, I suppose, huh? About dawn, I reckon, as soon as Gatliff hires new Skinner. Uh Uh-huh. Well, uh, the bottle's yours, Toby. And, uh, good luck.
6: Oh, I sure do thank you, Marshal.
4: Later in the day, Chester and a couple of other men buried Billy out on the hill. As Toby said, he died a bad death. And it was made worse by the man who had done it to him, going scot-free. But there was nothing I could do, and I tried to forget about it. They left Dodge next morning, and things were peaceful enough for a few days, until one night word came that there'd been a knifing in a nester camp across the river, we rode over to see what it was about. He was knifed in the back, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, but nobody saw it happen just No,
5: sir. Looks like somebody got clean away with murder. Well, well here's Yorkie Kelly. How are you, Yorkie?
8: Hello.
4: Oh, what are you doing here, Yorkie?
8: I came looking for berries. It's a good thing I did.
4: Oh? What do you mean?
8: I saw that man get stabbed. You did? I heard them arguing, and I sneaked up just after he'd done it. They were all alone.
4: Well, who did it, Yorkie? Did you recognize him?
8: I never saw him before.
4: Well, what did he look like?
8: He was big, dirty-looking. He had a buckskin shirt.
4: Yeah. What, anything else?
8: He had funny eyes, Marshall. They had spots in them.
4: Oh. Uh-huh. Chester? Hmm? Gatliff. Hmm. Well, how
5: in the world could you ever sneak up close enough to see his eyes, Yorkie?
8: I lived with the horse.
4: Yeah. By golly, that's right.
5: you
8: know who did it, Marshal?
4: Well, I do now, Yorkie. Thanks to you.
8: I hope you catch him. I got to get back. Moss Grimmett's waiting for me.
4: So long, Yorkie.
5: I guess it was Gatliff. All right, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. Seems like a dangerous kind of a man to be running loose.
4: I got him now, Chester. As soon as I find him.
5: Oh, I hope so, Mr. Dillon. I certainly do hope so. <laughs>
3: It does your heart good, I know, when your young folks eat all of their breakfast cereal. And that's why I'm so happy to tell you about new sugar crinkles. Sugar crinkles, you know, is the sugar rice treat that's just right sweet. Crisp golden nuggets of sugar-coated rice. They make breakfast more fun than a circus. Why, young folks love sugar crinkles so much, they disappear like magic. Now, you've had experience with sugar-coated cereals that seem too sweet to you and others that that just don't seem sweet enough to the youngsters. Well, what a wonderful surprise sugar crinkles will be to your whole family. For new sugar crinkles really are just right sweet. Remember, sugar crinkles make great snacks, too. Better get several packages.
9: For your breakfast or a
3: snack... You love sugar crinkles. Sugar crinkles can't be baked. Sugar ice cream that's just right sweet.
5: With milk for a breakfast joy.
3: That's a snack from the pack, oh boy.
6: Can't be beat.
3: Just right sweet. Sugar crinkles good to eat. Now back to Gunsmoke.
9: <laughs>
4: Since Gatliff would figure nobody had seen him, it wasn't likely that he'd run. And anyway, there wasn't much sense in trying to track him down in the dark. So Chester and I didn't start out until the next morning. Ordinarily, a man could ride into the prairie and disappear, but with Gatliff it was a little different. At least we knew he'd be somewhere around Buffalo. It was late afternoon before we reached good hunting grounds, and... Almost dark when we spotted the first hunter's camp.
5: On over to the fire,
10: stranger.
4: Well, thank you.
5: supper will be ready soon. Hey, sir,
4: throw some more tongue in that stew pot. You're hey. uh, If you no. don't like buffalo tongue, you'll go mighty hungry in this camp. <laughs> Thanks, mister. Hey, you're a lawman. Uh, Matt Dillon, a U.S. Marshal. My name's Tom Mercer. And this is Chester Proudfoot. Mr. Mercer. Howdy. Uh, supper will take a little longer yet. Anyway, my skinners won't be in for a while. Sit down. Oh, thank you. Well, how are you doing? Oh, fair, Marshal, fair. I killed over a hunter today. Oh? Uh-huh. Been here long? About a month. I'll move on a couple of weeks. I don't know, Marshal. I figure this whole southern herd is going to be clean wiped out for a long. Next year, I'm going to Dakota. Too many hunters, maybe. Huh? That's just it. That's said exactly. Have, uh, you seen any in the last day or two? Just who are you looking for, Marshal? A fellow by the name of Gatliff, a big man, speckled eyes. Uh, what's he done? You know him? No, I don't. Nobody's come near us in over a week. Yeah, that, You're not much help, then. Except for that stew the cook's making. Oh, you are like that. We're having dried apples too.
5: I mighty near could eat a buffalo raw, the entire beast. Hey, you must be part Indian. It, well, no I seen sir. one of 'em eat a whole liver raw. Oh. Yes, Yes, he got propped up against a tree and ate every bit of it, and then went sound asleep right there in the sun.
4: <laughs> he was sure some sight.
5: Heard you ever get that close to an Indian?
4: All oh, Indians ain't always bad. No, that's true. But they're gonna get real hungry when the herd's gone. That's uh, so, Marshal. That's surely so. That's what makes him mad. Well, don't you think that's reason enough? Fella told me a couple of weeks ago he ran into a bunch west of here. He was looking for scalps all right, too. They, oh, hey, here comes my skinners. Now we can get outside of some of that stew. Uh, oh, I love it. <laughs> Don't you ever feed this man, Marshal? <laughs> Only when he works, Mercer.
5: Oh, no, Mr. Dillon. <music>
4: We spent the night in Tom Mercer's camp, and at dawn, just after breakfast, we said goodbye and rode on west. In the next two days, we met plenty of hunters, but we didn't find Gatliff. About noon of the third day, we cut the trail of a wagon train and figured it to be that of a hide Buyers agent who had come out into the prairie to do business on the spot. An hour or two later, we saw him. A long string of ox-drawn wagons piled high with hides. There was a man on horseback leading the train. We rode up to him. Hello there. Ah, that's quite a load you got, Mister.
6: Ten thousand so far. Ah. What are you doing way out of here, Marshal?
4: I'm uh, looking for a hunter by the name of Gadlow. You know him?
6: Sure do.
3: Just picked up a load from his rick early this morning. Is he in trouble?
4: Yeah. Where is he? Straight south, a couple of miles. Can't tell you exactly, he moves around a lot. Well, that's close enough for us. Thanks a lot, mister. Sure,
5: Marshal.
9: Better like him anyway.
5: There's an empty rick. That must be it.
4: Yeah. But he's moved his camp. <sighs> Not far, if it was just this morning. Chester. Hmm? What's that out there? Where at? It looks like a man. Come on. Fellow.
5: Yeah, what? Mr. Dillon, it's that skinner of his.
4: Yeah. Uh, get some water, Chester. Yes, sir. Toby. Toby. Toby, can you hear me? He's been shot, Chester. Here's the water. Yeah. <laughs> Toby, it's Marshal Dillon.
6: Give me a drink.
4: Yeah, here. Uh, He shot me, Marshal. Well, what happened? Where's the rest of the crew? They run off.
6: Took his wagon and and the horses. He went kind of crazy when he found out. That's why he shot me. Where is he now? Uh, I don't know, Marshal. He shot me and then he said he was going hunting. He's going local. Now,
4: oh. Local. Now take it, take it easy, Toby. Take it easy. You're gonna be all right. I, I could hear him shooting that sharps a long time. And then he stopped. Where was he? Which way, Toby? Off.
6: Behind me there. I could hear him.
4: Yeah. But Chester, stay with him, huh? I'm going after Gatliff. All right, you. Off in the direction Toby had indicated, there lay a large, isolated hollow surrounded by low ridges. When I reached it, I dismounted and crawled up to where I could look down into it. There was no sign of Gatliff. But lying on the prairie floor were the bodies of Countless fresh-killed buffalo. It was a strange sight. The old bulls and the cows and the little calves lying there, blackening the prairie grass. I got up and stood looking at it for a long time. And then suddenly, out in the middle, I thought I saw a slight movement. And a second later, there came the familiar boom of a Sharp's 50. And I dropped behind the range and waited. And then Chester rode up. Uh,
5: Did you find him, Mr. Dillon?
4: Yeah.
5: I thought I'd better come along. You see...
4: Toby's dead. Is that it? Yes, sir. All right. Well, Gatliff's down there in the middle of the hollow, but we can't get anywhere near him as long as he's got that sharps rifle. He's killed a small herd of buffalo in there, and now he's lying out in the center of them.
5: Well, that's the darndest thing I ever heard of, Mr. Dillon. He must have gone crazy, just like Toby said. Yeah. What's he shooting at now? Hey, Mr. Dillon, the way he's spacing them shots. Yeah,
4: that's the signal for help, Chester. Come on.
5: Say, maybe it's just a trap.
4: I'll oh, be ready to take cover behind one of these animals. It might be. Sounds like he's been hurt. Yeah. Just keep your head up.
5: Mm. There he is. Find huh? that big bull.
4: Yeah, I see him. Wow. Mr. Dillon, he... He's all... There have been horses in here, Chester. Indians. Oh, my goodness. Come on. his last effort, Chester. He's dead now.
5: Mr. Dillon, that's awful.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Come on, Chester, let's get out of here. I don't know how the Indians caught Gatliff. He'd gone a little mad and maybe that made it easy for him. But they'd finally got themselves a buffalo hunter. And into their unbelievably savage torture of him had gone all the hatred and desperation of a race being slowly starved and driven from their homeland. And then they'd put him there, surrounded by his own bloody slaughter. And they'd gone off with a gesture of contempt, leaving his rifle and his ammunition by his side. And having seen what they did to him, I'll never know how he managed to fire even one of those shots. For all of his evil, Gatliff had died harder than any man I'd ever seen. Chester and I rode back to Dodge, and it was never mentioned between us again. (laughs)
3: Just a moment, we'll tell you about next week's adventure on gun smoke. You know, what you are tomorrow depends on what you eat today. So, Mother, be sure that the big and little Indians at your house always eat a good breakfast. And tell me, what could be better for breakfast than post toasties? Post toasties, you know, are the heap good cornflakes, the best thing that's happened to corn since the Indians discovered it. But all of the talking in the world couldn't tell you how downright delicious post-toasties are. You have to taste those crackling crisp flakes. Yes, you have to taste that sweet kernel corn flavor toasted. Then you'll know how perfectly wonderful breakfast can be. Put post-toasties in your shopping list right now, Mother. Just watch how your whole tribe goes for them. Remember, post-toasties are the heap good cornflakes. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was written especially for Gunsmoke by John Meston with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Tom Tully, John Daner, Richard Beals, Jack Edwards, and Louis Jean Height. Harley Bear is Chester. And Peters speaking. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, meets a killer at a stage station during his fight to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Listen next week at this time when Gunsmoke will be brought to you by Post Toasties, the heap good cornflakes.
6: make it rain. I've
10: been doing it now on five years. How? Oh, I got my methods, mister. Don't you worry about that. A thousand dollars is a lot of money. Sure it is. But it's a sight less than what these homesuckers is going to lose if it don't rain. <laughs> Come to think of it, you know, I'll be needing an assistant. You want the job?
6: <laughs> well, Pay I... Pay you
10: fifty dollars and feed.
6: Well, what are the, the requirements for an assistant?
10: Oh, ain't nothing to it. You get that sign made. I got me a big roll of paper in the wagon yonder. Then we we stick the sign up over the wagon and drive through the town. As soon as we get us a likely crowd gathered, I make the speech, and you wait to start the collection. Uh, a small point, but supposing they don't believe you. Ain't human nature not to believe me. Cows and crops is perishing for want of rain, ain't they? Yes. huh. fellow like me comes along and gives them rain.
1: <laughs> well, there you have it. That's the plot of this episode of Frontier Gentlemen. Welcome to Frontier Gentlemen. This episode is from October 26, 1958, and the episode is entitled Rainmaker. Let's see if this man can really make it rain in a very drought-ridden Kansas. Enjoy this, and I'll be back next week. We're on the final legs of Frontier Gentlemen. I think I have two episodes left, and then after that, we'll be, we'll be Have Gun, We'll Travel. So enjoy this. There is a section of Kansas in which I shall never be welcome.
6: This is the reason for it.
0: Frontier gentlemen.
6: I had arrived in the town of Osawatomie by way of riverboat down the Missouri to Kansas City, and then overland to this site of the famous battle. I hoped to write a story on the abolitionist John Brown, but two things prevented my doing so. The first was the weather. In a region where I was told the rain was plentiful, not a drop had fallen for more than three months. Eastern Kansas was in the grip of a severe drought. The second reason was Darby Bullman. I met him as I was doing a sketch of John Brown's cabin. He drew up in a wagon, got down, and peered over my shoulder, silent for a few minutes, then cleared his throat, <clears> throat> and said... Hot, ain't it? Uh, yes, very. Ain't seasonal. And so I'm told...
10: You a stranger around here? Mm-hmm. Me too. Just come in town. Ain't much to see, is there?
6: No. Not much.
10: It's a pretty fair likeness of the cabin.
6: <laughs> Thank you.
10: Chimney don't seem to stick out just right, though. <laughs> you don't mind me saying.
6: Well, it's... It's only a rough sketch.
10: Ain't, uh, squatty enough, neither. Outside of that, it ain't bad.
6: Hmm.
10: You, uh, make a living doing that?
6: No. No, I'm a writer. This is this is, this is a sideline.
10: Oh, so... Uh, you any good at making signs, uh, writing them?
6: Well, I I never... I'd be willing
10: to pay. Two dollars. Won't go no higher than two. Don't need none of them fancy curlicues. Just a good old sign. Nice and easy writing so those folks can read it. Do it myself, except I ain't much of a hand at that kind of thing. Well, uh, I... I figure for two dollars you can draw in a picture along with the words.
6: What kind of sign?
10: Well, you write it out. I'll tell it to you slow.
6: All right. Just a minute. Let me... All right, go on. Darby Bullman. Darby. D-E-R... D-A-R. Oh, sorry. Darby Bullman. M
10: U L L. L L M N. King of the Rainmakers. Mm.
6: Of the Rainmakers.
10: We'll guarantee to.
6: We'll. Guarantee... To fix it to
10: rain for the price of $1,000. Uh,
6: well, would you prefer guarantee to bring forth rain for the price? Fine,
10: fine. Bring forth rain for the price, price of $1,000. $1, yes. That's right,
6: yes. Right.
10: What kind of a picture would you figure to draw with that?
6: Well, what you suggest?
10: Oh, I don't know. Something good and wet, though. <laughs> Give them the idea.
6: You're not serious, Mr. Uh, Bullman.
10: Sure, I'm serious. You think I'm flapping my gums to make wind?
6: You you can actually make it rain?
10: I've been doing it now on five years. How? Oh, I got my methods, mister. Don't you worry about that.
6: A thousand
10: dollars is a lot of money. Sure it is. But it's a sight less than what these homesuckers are going to lose if it don't rain. <laughs> Come to think of it, you know, I'll be needing an assistant. You want the job?
6: <laughs> well, I'll Pay you
10: $50 I... and feed.
6: Well, what are the the requirements for an assistant? Oh,
10: Ain't nothing to it. You get that sign made. I got me a big roll of paper in the wagon yonder. Then we we stick the sign up over the wagon and drive through the town. As soon as we get us a likely crowd gathered, I make the speech and you wait to start the collection.
6: Uh, small point, but supposing they don't believe you. Ain't human nature not
10: to believe me. Cows and crops is perishing for want of rain, ain't they? Yes. A uh-huh. fellow like me comes along and gives them rain. <laughs> They'll believe me.
6: Have you ever failed?
10: No, no, no. Mr... Mister... Oh, what's your name anyhow? Anyway,
6: huh? Kendall.
10: Oh, Kendall. You oh, you see that fellow coming this way herding them cows? Yeah. Yes. Oh, wait, I'll, I'll I'll show you what I
9: mean. Ha!
10: Morning, stranger. Morning. Oh, them cows of yours kind of brownie, ain't they? Sure are, mister. Unless we get some rain mighty soon, ain't going to be no better than rawhide. And I guess your troubles is over, stranger. That's that so? Yeah. You're talking to Darby Bowman, king of the rainmakers. Uh, this is my assistant, uh, uh, a Slim Kendall. That's that so? Yes, sir. If you want a good big rain, you come on down to town at 5 o'clock. Tell your friends. I got the makings for the wettest rain you ever see. Bring it right down from the clouds. Ain't no clouds. Not right yet, there ain't. That's what I aim to scare up. Hey, you be willing to pay maybe $50 for an inch of water in your fields? Mister, you do that, I'd be willing to pay a hundred. No, uh, I ain't a greedy man. Like I say, my wagon will be in the middle of the town at five o'clock. You tell your friends. I surely will, mister.
7: Yes, sir. I
9: surely will a hundred.
10: <laughs> yeah. See the way it is, Kendall. Get me twenty fellers like that, pay fifty dollars a piece,
6: I get me a thousand. <laughs> but uh, how can you guarantee? It? I mean, what do they do if you can't produce the rain? Didn't you hear me get through telling him?
10: It'll be the easiest fifty dollars you ever made, Kendall. Now, you get going on that sign. I got to start mixing up the makings. Now, this here's going to be the wettest county in Kansas. Come tomorrow. <laughs>
9: Filter Cigarettes Kent Filters Best Kent Filters Best It makes good sense When you smoke Kent Kent Filters Best Of all of the brands of cigarettes Kent tastes the best Kent tastes the best A richer taste than all the rest Kent Filters Best
6: I was torn between curiosity and common sense. The one counseled me to stay with Darby Bullman, to act in whatever assistant capacity he saw fit, and the other warned me to put as much distance as I could between the Rainmaker and myself. So, common sense lost. I'm a newspaper correspondent, and there was something about the fat little man that intrigued me. So I made the sign, complete with the soaking wet landscape as a background. Bullman was immensely pleased. At exactly five o'clock, we drove the wagon into town and drew up outside the sheriff's office. As for my instructions, I began beating on a large saucepan with a heavy iron spoon. Right. A small crowd began right. to gather.
9: Gather round, folks. Come in
10: real close. Uh, that's a little swim. All right, gather round so I don't have to string my vitals. That's just fine, just fine. Now, I guess you can all read so you know what that there sign says. Yeah, we see what it says. We ain't so sure what it means, though. It means what it says, mister. I'm here to bring you rain. And when I say rain, I don't mean no tittle and spit. I mean a goose grounder, a regular gully washer. I mean to make it wet enough to bog a snipe. That's what it told me. That that's what it said this morning. Yeah, let me
9: go oh, 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 sure. here. Mister. Oh, get so. away yeah. yes, All right, sir.
10: What's your business, mister? Uh, you can read, can't you, friend? I ain't your friend, mister. I'm Sheriff Finnick. I am to keep law and order in this here county. You creating a disturbance of the peace? Well, no such thing. Me and my assistant, Slim, we're setting up a business deal. Like it says, $1,000 and I make rain. Ain't possible. You hear that? Sheriff says it ain't possible. Well, here's what I say. Twenty-four hours. You give me twenty-four hours, and if there ain't a puddle of water in every pothole in this street, nobody pays me nothing. Bowman? we had fellas around these parts of four claiming they could bring down weather. Lastin got run out on a rail. I'm willing to take the medicine same as him, if and I don't make good. Yeah, a thousand dollars, a heap of money. Sure is. You got proof you can do what you say? Where else you brung the rain? Where else? I'll tell you where. Out to California. I wetted down the Sacramento Valley two years back so as you could take a boat from Marysville down to Sacramento and never touch dry land.
11: Hey, I don't see no harm if it's a guarantee. Yeah. But, uh,
10: we got to make it legal, like. Suits me. Anything you say. Ha ha Go over and fetch lawyer Wolfsack. Tell him to come on over to the sheriff's office. We need some papers made.
11: Now, I got it written up clear and understandable. Don't worry, but just it. read it, will you? Well, uh, consideration of the mutual covenants herein contained, the parties here, too, have agreed and do agree as follows. Wherefore and whereas. Yeah, you can get over the wherefores and whereases, Collie. What do it say? In brief, a corporation in this town agrees to sell shares and to utilize such monies collected to pay Darby Bullman the sum of $1,000 upon delivery within 24 hours of one inch of natural waters. Mm. One half of the sum to be paid on signature of this document, and the other half to be paid when the task is completed. Mm. If rain is not forthcoming within the stipulated time, all money shall be returned by the party of the first part, etc., (laughs) etc.
9: Well,
10: now that sounds mighty fine. What do you say, Slim?
6: Clear and concise.
10: Now, what ain't in the papers is what I'm telling you, Bowman. Now, if this here's some kind of gouging, you and your pal ain't going to be in no condition to try it no more. You remember that. I ain't got time to worry about that, Sheriff. Let's sign them papers. I got a miss of work to do. Yeah. Sign right here. That's my mark. Well, now, ain't that something. All that there big talk, he can't even write his
11: name. His mark is perfectly legal, Sheriff. Now, you, sir.
6: Uh, right. you are.
11: J.B. Chinoogly. Gender.
6: That's
11: right. <clears throat> Excellent. Now, uh, I shall sign for the corporation. Kalia Wolsek.
2: Let me through. Make way. Oh,
11: we got troubles, boys. Sounds like Mrs. Cunningham.
2: What is this I hear, Kalia Wolsek? Sheriff Finnick. Business affair, dear lady. Nothing to worry about. Don't mealy mouth, Mr. Wolsack. There's devil's work. Oh, now, Mr. I forbid it.
10: Don't see how you rightly can forbid anything, ma'am. I got a contract here all signed legalized.
2: It's the devil's work. Are you a man of temperance?
10: If you mean, do I take a sup of snake poison? No, ma'am, I ain't a man of temperance.
2: This town will not suffer the evils of intoxicating liquors, nor the workings of the devil.
6: <laughs> I ain't no devil, ma'am. Uh, I think you misunderstand, madam. Uh, Mr. Bullman is not intoxicated. He's a rainmaker.
2: You, sir, are in the presence of a lady. Uh. How dare you speak to me in that tone? Sheriff, I demand that you put a stop to this devil's work immediately.
10: Now, no, no, don't you worry about a
2: thing, Mrs. Cunningham. There ain't going to be no liquor in or carrying on, I promise you. It is against the laws of nature. Only the great main maker up yonder has the right to create rain. I forbid you to attempt such a thing. The women's crusaders will be called out to put a stop to it. I warn you, Sheriff. Now, there ain't no need of that, Mrs. Cunningham. I have nothing more to say. We have put the devil out of Osawatomie. He will not return in the guise of these two wicked men. Liquor and sin. Liquor and sin.
6: Somebody's wife?
10: Eh, uh, not no more, Kendall. Uh, buried too. Talked him to death. Some say. I ain't having no trouble with Mary Elizabeth Cunningham or them women's crusaders. No, sir. Oh, you boys better get out of town. Well, we got a legal signed paper. Ain't that so slim? Uh, definitely so. Yeah,
11: there's no backing out of it, Sheriff. Less than you want to pay the thousand dollars by default.
10: Just 24 hours is all I need, fellas. Maybe less. Then you'll have your reign. And that old female buzzer won't have nothing to say. Mister, you listen here to what I'm telling you. If you don't come through with that rain, I'll turn you both over to the women's crusaders. And what they'll do to you will make a lynching party seem like an evening social. You got 24 hours.
0: If it's new, Flynn has got it.
9: Got it.
0: The 59 Flynn has got it. If it's new, if
9: it's new, if it's new.
0: The 59 Plymouth is at your Plymouth dealers now. It's new, it's wonderful, and it's here. New styling to make your heart sing. Plymouth for 59 has that fine car look. New Fury models at new lower prices. New swivel seats swing you in when you enter, swing you out when you leave. New push-button heater, world's simplest temperature control. New Golden Commando V8, biggest engine in the low price field. New Miramatic Mirror. New automatic headlight dimmer, new sports deck, new everything. See the completely new 59 Plymouth. Drive the completely new 59 Plymouth at your Plymouth dealers now.
6: Darby, Bullman, and I left the town and went to a field a mile or two away. The rainmaker scurried about, unloading sacks from the wagon, contents unknown. Then we wrestled two immense cauldrons down to the ground. While I built fires under the containers, Bullman emptied the sacks and began to stir in a liquid which he poured from large jars. A great cloud of dense smoke began to rise into the night, spreading oily black, and with it arose a most incredible stench. If nothing else, the heavens would weep but that alone. <laughs> what? What is it? My own chemical
10: invention. Ain't nothing else like it. Oh, I should hope not.
9: <laughs> there.
10: That ought to do it. All we got to do now is to keep her good and hot and wait. Oh, she's rising just fine. (laughs) Might get something sooner than I figured. Wind's right. Yes, sir. Shouldn't be too long.
6: We spent the night in the field, alternately napping and tending the fire. At dawn, there were only gray wisps rising from the cauldrons, and the sky was cloudless. Bullman whistled cheerfully as we loaded the wagon, then made our way back to the sheriff's office. Well, you don't seem particularly worried.
10: <laughs> Ain't no reason I should be. You neither.
6: From that sky, I'd say there wasn't any rain within a hundred miles.
10: You'd say that, huh? Well, we've got a few hours to go yet. Ooh. Ooh. A dry start for a rainy day. Yes, that's a fact. Here he was making lots of smoke down the road away. Old Har, he said there was a powerful stink when he took the cows out this morning. Oh, so some of the fellers ain't feeling so happy waking up this morning, not finding no rain. That's so. Oh, morning, Sheriff. Morning. Well, mighty nice of you to save me the trouble of coming out to get you.
6: There's something wrong, Sheriff.
10: You know, doggone well, something's wrong. Another hour, this town's going to be belling for your skin. Rain. <laughs> ain't going to be no rain, you know it. 24 hours, like the paper says. Ain't but a might after nine now. We still got uh, nine hours to go. Six o'clock this evening is finishing time. Well, I ain't taking no chances. Both of you's going to be locked up. Why? Why? Because I'm sworn uphold the peace, that's why. Folks around here is having a bad time with this dry spell. They're touchy enough to get mean. And that Mrs. Cunningham and her crusader lady as well. I don't want no trouble. You get in that cell and stay there. There. (laughs) Ain't worth fretting, Slim. She'll rain by and by. Mm. Inside. Wouldn't care to send in some breakfast, would you, Sheriff? I'll send out for some. Sheriff. There's going to be trouble. A bunch of
11: men up the street. They saw Bowman and Kendall come into your office. They're talking about trickery. They're, they're ugly, very ugly. I knew it. And I my knew wife it. was at a meeting last night. The Crusaders. Mary Elizabeth Cunningham has got the women worked up. Mrs. Wolsock accused me of working with the devil.
10: This sure must have been some town before that leaky mouth woman cleaned it up. Listen.
6: They're coming. Now look, a bargain's a bargain. We agreed 24 hours. Oh, you ain't sticking to that crazy talk, are you? You know there ain't gonna be no rain. If you're lucky, I can stop him from lynching
10: you. Maybe just tarring and Feather will be enough for them.
11: It's highly illegal, highly
6: illegal. Or my idea. Well, I think you'd better unlock the cell. Oh, sure. You stay right
11: there. He's off, boys. That ain't no going to get excited. We aim to keep them ornery scouts out and string
2: them up. There ain't no random. What a bad
11: smell! My old woman's oh, got oh, the heat on the, on the of
2: that snake. Yeah, turn them over to oh, the sheriff, we'll take care of him. Fellas! Fellas! I
10: just heard it came over the telegraph. It's raining! Rain, water rain. All over! Over to Ottawa, down the line to Osage City, Lawrence, Topeka, Kansas City. It's raining! It ain't raining here!
11: Our contract specifically calls for rain in our economy. And unless the provisions of the contract are
10: specifically. What was that? Well, it weren't my stomach,
6: that's for sure.
10: Hey! Take a look out the window, boys! Look at that cloud coming in!
6: Mr. Bowman, I'd say you are a very fortunate man. Ain't nothing
10: fortunate about it. Purely scientific is all. Never failed. But uh, between you and me, it might be a good idea if uh, we got out of here.
6: Darby Bullman received the remainder of his fee, And in a torrent of rain, we drove out of Osawatomie. We didn't escape the downpour until the next day and were then some 50 miles south of the town. From what I've heard, the storm lasted for three days, and the damage caused by the flooding river will long be remembered, as will the name of Darby Bullman.
0: It's no surprise to anybody that the attractive and inexpensive new radios have proved popular. It's no surprise, that is, to anyone who listens to CBS Radio... With so much in the way of music, comedy, drama, variety, and news coming your way every day on CBS radio, more than one radio around the house is more than a convenience. It's almost a necessity for anyone who has a daily routine. The man in the house wants to come home to an attractive home and an attractive wife, but household chores in themselves are rarely inspirational. The smart homemaker is one who refuses to let her regular responsibilities get her down. She gets her work done every day, but she gets her entertainment in, too. She has a radio in the kitchen as well as the living room. Chances are she has a portable radio as well to follow her from one task to another around the house. She knows why the inexpensive new radios are so popular. And she knows the value of CBS radio, too. The Frontier Gentleman was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.P. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Joseph Kearns, Jack Crucian, Stacey Harris, Virginia Gregg, Charles Seal, and Jack Moyles. Join us again next week for another report from The Frontier Gentleman. Bud Sewell speaking.